Welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm, where we bring the authors of today's best books directly to you. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and I'm here with Corey D. Miller, the author of a smart new mystery series featuring Desiree Jackson. The first full-length novel in the series is Hush, and it was released yesterday. Corey, welcome, and congratulations on the release. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Now, I'm going to confess to listeners that we got about 10 minutes into this interview, and it was going great when I looked up and saw that I had not turned on the recorder. And as you'll learn in the interview, Corey is a professional interviewer. So uh, you don't like to make these kind of mistakes when you're talking to someone like Corey. So I just wanted to share my shame with the listening audience. And now we'll get into the book, which I absolutely loved. I started reading it yesterday morning. Got sucked right into the story, into the characters. I read through the start of the football game, put it down for a little bit, started watching the football game and thought, you know what? I think I'm going to go back to that book. And so I read through the afternoon and then finished it in the evening. I absolutely loved the book, Corey. Well, I'm glad you liked it. And I'm so happy you chose it over football. (laughs) (laughs) My wife was actually happy, too, because it that meant the volume wasn't roaring through the house on a football Sunday. And she was she was happy about that. She's always happy about that. (laughs) You've got this fantastic character, Desiree Jackson. And I know that you you wrote a few short stories about her. So let's just let's start the interview by talking about Desiree, how you came up with her and who she is. Well, originally I wrote a book um, years ago and finished it in 2005 and never published it, never saw the light of day. Um, And it was starring her, Desiree Jackson. And I put it aside because I realized something wasn't working. I liked the character, but I didn't feel like I knew her well enough. Um, And there were some things with the story I didn't care for. Um, And then fast forward many years later, and I get this idea that I should write some short stories about her. And those ended up to be the Deadly Sins miniseries mm-hmm. stories. And it worked beautifully. I mean, I got to know this character. I learned one of the funny things I learned about her is she had a dog named Godfrey <laughs> that I didn't realize existed. Um, and he's a Rottweiler. Mm-hmm. For those of you who haven't read the book yet, he's a Rottweiler. And Rottweilers can get kind of big and heavy. <laughs> yes. So. And there's a scene in the book where we experience that firsthand because... Desiree falls asleep on the couch. She's watching Netflix or something. She falls asleep on the couch, wakes up in the morning, and her legs are in agony, and there's the Rottweiler laying on her legs, and who knows how long he'd been laying there. (laughs) Great scene. (laughs) Yeah, and I I love, as I learned about even the dog, um, that dog has his own backstory. He was something that was a rescue that she got from Humane Society, and he was um, owned by a police officer who was killed in the line of duty. And so he was not very trusting um, when Desiree finds him at the Humane Society. So that's how much I ended up learning about the dog even. And Desiree is a very competent, very independent woman who has her own unique opinions about things, including money. One of the great things about this series is that she's not the typical down-on-her-luck PI scraping around trying to put together enough money to pay rent this month. No, she's been really, really good about her money. She saves everything. So she may act as though, oh, she's got to pay this or do this, but she really is one of those people that's frugal and good with their money. And so, for example, she lived in Miami um, for tra- and worked for Tracer International. Well, the whole time she worked there, she banked her money. She didn't have to pay for her housing because they paid for it. Mm-hmm. So she saved and invested her money. 
And so she's always done that. And when she went to, when she left New York, the reason she left New York City and ended up back in Omaha was because her great aunt Violet died and left her her house. So then she had a house, you know, free and clear. So she could stay in you know, New York City and pay $2,000 for 650 square foot apartment or she could go back to Omaha, Nebraska and have a free house. And she could be one of the very, 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 very few PIs who have a book, a mystery series written about them in Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> so that was good thinking on her part. Well, there is that. <laughs> it is not a flyover state. People keep saying that. Yeah, I grew up in Ohio. I, I grew up in the Midwest, and it was sort of a little offensive, that whole flyover idea. But it's also really cold in the Midwest. Not not as cold in Ohio as it is in Nebraska. So uh, good luck with winter this year. Oh, I, I'm just hoping we get a lot of snow, quite frankly. <laughs> yes. If it's going to be that cold, we deserve to have some snow. Absolutely. <laughs> now, you mentioned that she's good with money. She's, we're, we, we talked about her not trying to scrape by. The primary case she's involved in in this story is a pro bono case. Yep. So that, yeah. let's talk about the storyline of Hush a little bit. Well, in, it starts out that she has been teaching a little bit, um, and she meets this student named Tamara Steele, who is a criminal justice student, and this student, Tamara, is interning with the Nebraska State Patrol, and she takes that assignment because she wants to have access to cold case files, um, specifically one involving Jessica Howard, who happens to be a childhood friend of hers, um, who was killed many years ago. And it's always bothered Tamara. She wanted to find out what happened if she could. And so she takes the risk of trying to access the information because, of course, normally interns with Nebraska State Patrol are not allowed to get involved with cold cases and things to the level that Tamara is trying to. Mm-hmm. And so Des agrees to help her out. And when she does that, things start coming up from her own past. Um, Des's sister was killed about 17 years ago, and it's a, co- a cold case as well. And since Des has moved back to Omaha, she's been receiving communication, um, just odd messages here and there. And she discovers they're from some guy named Alec Covington. And so as she's working on the cold case with Tamara, the uh, strange messages and things she's receiving from Alec Covington seem to increase. And that would be great, except for the fact that she thinks that Alec Covington is dead. And so she's not sure where this information is really coming from for her sister Savannah's case. So we have a couple storylines going, and it's just really well done. It, it's just a well-told P.I. story. And it's I, I, I am so glad to have had the opportunity to read this book and now to chat with you. It's always a pleasure to talk with someone that has a microphone and a nice, clear Skype connection. I can't tell you. <laughs> we, <Well>, cool. <laughs> we mentioned that you have some experience in interviewing people. I saw on your website that you host a show on Blog Talk Radio called The Back Porch Writer. So I flipped over to Back Porch Writer, listened to a little bit of some episodes to get a sense of who I would be talking to, and I saw that you just recently done your 200th episode. Yeah, I was really excited about that. Why did you start the show? What was the, what was the purpose for you of starting your show? Well, I started about two years ago, and the tagline for it is it's the show for writers, about writers, and writing, and it's because I am in Nebraska, and I'm actually not in Omaha. I'm in Fremont, and Fremont's even – I'm not even in Fremont. I'm actually south of Fremont, so I'm in the country, (laughs) (laughs) and Fremont is about, I don't know, 25 or 26,000 people, and then it's like 30 minutes from Omaha, so I don't have access to a lot of writing workshops or other writers or anything like that, and I wanted to bring that – 
to me and then to other people. That whole idea of the, the conference, you know, and getting to speak with other experts or other writers and, and just pick their heads basically and say, what do you do? How do you do it? So that was really what got me doing it. What keeps you doing it? 200 episodes is a lot. I, I, people don't realize what goes into making a show like this. I mean, they hear a 15 or 20-minute episode and think, well, it took 15 or 20 minutes to put that whole thing together. <laughs> it doesn't work that way, does it? No, not really. <laughs> and I do blog talk radio. I, it's a live show. Mm-hmm. And so the, the answer to your question of why do I keep doing it, one of them, the reasons is because it's a live show and it's a lot of fun uh-huh. to do it live. You know, I can't edit out all those little blurps and things that happen, which makes the energy really great. And I love that. I think that's a lot of fun. I've done a few pre-recorded shows here and there, but the live ones are a blast to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that keeps me doing it. And then just all the different people. I mean, everyone have some, has something else to bring to that conversation. And it doesn't matter how many authors I speak with, they're all different. You know, it doesn't matter how many experts I speak with, they all have a different take on whatever it is we're chatting about. And so I think that's what really keeps me doing it. It's just a lot of fun. I think when it stops being fun, I'll stop. How do you find your guests? Um, a lot of times they find me. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, though, it, it, it doesn't work that way. In the beginning, you, you, start, you, you start asking, and then there's a tipping point where people start coming yeah. to you. So yeah. when, when you started, what were you looking for? Um, in the beginning, I actually attended. I traveled and attended a couple places in Omaha that were doing workshops or, or events or something. And I introduced myself and, and told people about the show. And it was interesting because some were hesitant to be on. And I still get that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I was looking for people that just would have fun, you know, and get a chance. To, if it was an author, get a chance to promote your work for free. Yes. I mean, it's free. Why not do it? <laughs> yeah. And, and you're, you're, you're being exposed to a different audience. I mean, right. your, your show has your audience. This show has my audience. And every show that you go on to promote your book, uh, it, you're exposing it to a different audience. And mm-hmm. that's the way we mm-hmm. grow our audiences. Exactly. Exactly. So now the show, I, it tends to get booked pretty early. I got to a point where I learned I couldn't book too far in advance. Mm -hmm. So I I learned that task. And then I realized I couldn't, um, I needed to do it in chunks. So I tend to book three months at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, But next year I'm doing it differently. And it's because of you. I learned a a trick (laughs) from you. It's that Calendly website. I love that. Oh my God, that's awesome. I love that. And and let me just, for for listeners who don't know, the way uh, I do three different shows and Scheduling is a nightmare. If you're just doing it back and forth with email, it's like, well, I'm free at this time. No, I can't do it this time. Can you do it this time? So I set up a calendar and set the days. I like to record shows on certain days. Monday and Wednesday, I like to record this show, and then I have other days for other shows. And then it's just really simple. I just send the link to the guest. They fill it out. And the rest of it just happens automatically. There's a sequence of emails that happens. It's, it's, a, it's a great little system. I did not invent it, obviously. I, I learned it from somebody else when I, when I was <laughs> scheduling them to do something. But that's the way we learn about these things. Exactly. And I love it. So I'm trying that out for 2016. And I opened up the calendar for the whole year. So someone, And I did that because I wanted authors who are, are mindful of marketing mm-hmm. to be able to do this in advance. I mean, if you really are an author who's paying attention to a marketing schedule, you know that you've got to get your information out there early. Yes. And so this gives them an opportunity to, if they know they're going to put a book out in, uh, let's say, November next year, they've got the whole schedule out there. They know exactly when they can book with me. And I, I just thought that's just a good way to do it. It helps them out in their cycle. And that's really what the show is about, is helping other authors about, yeah. out and 
and promote. And I know that we have a lot of authors that listen to this show. And I, I'll just use you an example as an example. Your book was coming out on November 1st. Do I have that right? Mm-hmm. And right. you contacted me a couple months ahead of time. And it's, you know, it's very easy to get the right date at, at that time because I only typically go out three months at a time. Uh, but so many times I'll be contacted by someone who's like, hey, I've got a book coming out uh, Wednesday. Can right. I do a show on Wednesday? It's like, no, I'm sorry, <laughs> you can't. Um, I, can, I can fit you in uh, 78 days from now if you want to do that. Right. So you're right. I mean, it's the whole right. idea of being mindful about your own editorial calendar and, and what you've got to do to market a book. What other things are you doing to, uh, to market the release of your book? Because we're recording this pretty close to the release date, so you've probably already done some of those things, a lot of those things. Well, I've done a few things. Um, this is the first novel in the series. And so one thing that I've learned from listening to lots of other people who know a lot more about publishing than I do is not to spend a ton of money and time on my first book and marketing it. So mm-hmm. I've been very particular about what I've done. I did start using Bublish, which I love that platform. I started using that several, like at the beginning of the year, I think is when I started using Bublish. Um, it's a wonderful platform because I can go on there and just put out what they call book bubbles about what I'm, I've written. I can even do rough cut bubbles. So I did that with Hush. I would put out snippets of uh, chapters so that people could see what I was working on. And I can tweet that out. I can send it in Facebook. I could send it in an email. I could put it on my blog. So I've been doing that for a while. And then most recently I joined another group called Books Go Social. And that's been fabulous. The, the author community alone for that has been amazing. And those were two long-term strategies that I wanted to do. I didn't want to do a whole lot of short-term stuff right now. So I did that. Um, I also joined uh, Ally. Um, Mm -hmm. It's an independent author group um, because I thought that would be another good long-term. So I tend to look at things from a long-term perspective. And then in the short term, I discounted the book. So right now it's, you know, $2.99 to get the book, the, the ebook. And there is a print version. Um, that's coming out, but the the ebook is just two ninety nine, and I may discount it again. But those are short term things, you know. The, but I I tend to have as an entrepreneur a long term view on things. I have a business I've had for twelve years, mm-hmm. so I definitely look at it long term for marketing strategy. And then looking at the other books that are coming out. I mean, I promote and hush what's coming out next, of course. Mm-hmm. And so I've got three other books and the Deadly Sin series will continue because I, I got an idea from a guest that was on your show and on my show, um, A.D. Starling. You okay. Interviewed her. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to her and then I think I interviewed her after she was on your show and we were talking about her schedule and how she has this, she's writing all these short stories and then she publishes a, a novel and then she does all these short stories. And I thought that's a brilliant approach. That is, that is a great marketing approach right there. And it really because, fleshes out the uh, your your Amazon catalog very quickly, especially if you've yes. got just one lonely book sitting there, having those short stories and then maybe even a compilation of the short stories right. plus the cover of your novel. Uh, people who go to your Amazon page go, whoa, wow, this woman has really produced a lot of books exactly. in the last year. She's So speaking exactly. of production, what is, what's your production schedule for the, the full-length novels going forward? What are your, what are your targets? Mm. Well, North Downing is my nano project this year. Hush was my nano project last year for okay. National Novel Writing Month. Uh-huh. This year, it's um, North Downing is November, and I'll be releasing three more Deadly Sins short stories before that and then after that. And then I'll do the next book in the series, On Your Six. So North Downing will come out in April next year. On Your Six will come out about three months later. And Off the X will come out about three months after that. And in between are the short stories. So there's three short stories. I'm doing it in groups of three, I think, 
throughout that. So pretty aggressive. You've got an aggressive, but a really well thought out plan. It's uh, nicely done. You. <laughs> well, that's the, that was the idea I took from Ad Starling, though, because her her schedule was really aggressive too, and I wasn't going to be as as aggressive until I heard what she was doing. I thought that's brilliant. I'm stealing that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we do these shows. I mean, we do them. You and I do them so we can get free consulting from experts. <laughs> Our listeners can use them to steal ideas, and the author community is so willing to share information uh, mm. that it is really helpful. If, if you're an author out there and you're not listening to podcasts like like mine and like Back Porch Writers, uh, you're you're doing yourself a disservice because there are a lot of great shows out there. Uh, Corey, oh, there what? Are. Where can people find Hush and and get introduced to the series? Uh, it is available on Amazon, Kobo, iTunes, Nook, just about everywhere. Everywhere fine books are sold, <laughs> yes. as we as we say. If you like the characters, do what I'm going to do, which is go back and get all of the short stories to flesh out the backstory, because I'm looking forward to doing that. And what's the best way for listeners to keep up with you and what you're doing? They can go to coreydmiller.com. So it's www.coreydmiller.com, and it's K-O-R-I is how you spell that. And I happen to know, because I'm subscribed to your email list, that you have an email list, and that's the best way to keep up with what people are doing. Yes, it is. Corey, this has been great. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, thanks for having me. This has been a blast. This is Stephen Campbell for CrimeFiction.fm. You can find us on iTunes and on the web at www.crimefiction.fm. If you do pop by the website, please sign up for my email list. I send out an email each Friday with a summary of the week's interviews. It's the best way to keep up with what we're doing and to be sure you don't miss out on great new books like Hush from Corey D. Miller. Thanks for listening.